Good morning, everyone. It is the Thursday edition, and we have Blaine Bartlett waking up early for us. Learn.blainebartlett.com forward slash LMM. That's my mentor, the master of masterminds himself. How are you, Blaine? I'm doing really, really well today, David. Good to see you. I missed you last week. Sorry I wasn't around. I had work to do. <laughs> and David just froze again, it looks like. Activity, oh, activity that you... Uh, get paid for. That's what I like to call it. Work has such a resistant type of energy to it. But we have uh, Mike Mamola, my Siamese twin right next to me. We're traveling together here in Philadelphia, <laughs> off to Miami in a little bit. But more importantly, our special guest is Joe Sinak. He is the practice of the practice.com. He is the man who just wrote the book. Thursday is the news Friday, which I love because I always say my tomorrow starts today which makes my Thursday actually Friday for most people. And it is Thursday. So what better day to have you on uh, and talking about activity we get paid for, make more money and spend time doing what you want. So that's activity we don't get paid for and activity we get paid for. My first question is, is it possible to want to do all of our activities? Is that a human aspect of nature? Can we want to do instead of have to do all the activities in the man-made construct of time, Joe. David, thanks so much for having me. Uh, I would say absolutely uh, that we can we can look at the plate of options for our lives and we can choose what we want to do. If the pandemic has taught us anything, it's that the rules that we thought were rules were actually pretty darn shaky. And, and so when we enter into life and say, first, how am I going to define how I move into life instead of just reacting to it? then it becomes a choice. Everything becomes a choice. So even if I'm doing laundry for my kids, I'm choosing to do that rather than to outsource it. I'm choosing to outsource my lawn. I'm choosing to uh, not check my email and have my assistant do that. All of those are choices, not reactions, instead of how most people live their lives, which is they're burned out all week, then they react to it over the weekend, they're more tired after their weekend, and then they go back into working again. That's just not a model that works anymore for most people. Yeah, yeah I call it the tube, right, Blaine? You taught me. Mm. Food in, food out, paycheck in, paycheck. That's where Camus wrote the myth of Sisyphus and the stranger. It, that's how the majority of people live. Go ahead, Blaine. I'm sorry. No, no. I, I, you know, it's interesting. I was just going to pick up on that. Uh, <laughs> I love the way you think. Uh, you know, the, the book dropped, uh, I mean, literally yesterday, right? Yeah, it was on Tuesday. So uh, Tuesday. this is the okay. first Thursday is the new Friday Thursday interview ever. So, uh, <laughs> but you, you guys got it. Joe, you could have dropped it on a Thursday because then nobody would have known whether it was Thursday or Friday that you were dropping the book. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, you, you, in the book, you talk about, you know, you got some principles about how you actually, you know, take that 60-hour work week and you get it down to you know, something that you can handle within a four-day work week. And you've done that for yourself really well. What are some of those principles? Yeah. So I think first we have to look really big picture because if we don't understand why this works, then we start doing all these productivity hacks and it's from a place of not really understanding the basics of neuroscience. So we do our best work when our brain is relaxed and optimized. Uh, it's not when we're stressed out and maxed out. When we're stressed out and maxed out, we often make more mistakes. Uh, we, we aren't focusing on the real big picture things. We're just going with what we know. Uh, we're, we're coming from a place of fight, flight, or freeze. And so first and foremost, we 
have to start with slowing down. And that looks different for each person. It may be a three-day weekend, but it may also be micro breaks or other things we insert into our schedules. And, and so most entrepreneurs, if they're just left to their own devices, they just keep working, working, hustling, hustling. And so finding those small things that you can put into your schedule outside of it to make your brain bounce back, that's usually better for most entrepreneurs. So for example, every Wednesday, I'm in an improv troupe. Uh, that's pretty much a non-negotiable unless I'm traveling. I laugh harder during that hour and a half with those improvers that I like don't even need to do an ab workout. My tummy hurts the next day. Um, and, and so that's something that I know gives me life. Even though I'm a single dad, my parents watch my kids every single Wednesday because they know that's something that I've inserted into my schedule. So finding those things that we can add in and take out, that's the biggest piece of advice for starting. So add something in and take something out. Hey, Matt, uh, make a note of, uh, we're going to post this right now. Uh, laugh so hard every day. You don't need to work yeah. out your abs or have an ab workout. All right, Matt. Yeah. I got them back there. Go ahead, Mike. That's a great one. Hey, hey, Joe. Hey, Mike. So, so much of what you're talking about, you know, mindset and, and the psychology behind efficiency and all of those things. So important. How, how important is it or how, I guess, yeah, how important is it and how do we tap into, if you could peel back the kimono to give us a glimpse into the, you know, knowing yourself and the self-awareness, because some people you might work better tomorrow if you laugh hard tonight. Other people go on vacation for two or three days. They come back more productive, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, so much of that depends on how I know myself in order to, I guess, apply some of these, these techniques. Yeah, that question really taps into the global shift we're seeing where we're moving away yeah. from the industrialist model. That's a yeah. blueprint. It's a we're going to plug in a machine, set it and forget it into an evolutionary model that is smarter and growing and changing. And so just a little historical context uh, around 4000 years ago, the Babylonians made up the seven day week. There was no rhyme or reason to it. It's what they could see in the sky. They could see the sun, the moon, Earth, Mercury, Venus, Mars and Jupiter. The Romans, they had a 10-day week. The Egyptians had an eight-day week. So let's just start with the week as we know it is completely made up. There's nothing in nature that points to seven days. Then in the late 1800s, early 1900s, the average person was working 10 to 14 hours a day, six to seven days a week. So in 1926, when Henry Ford brought us the 40-hour work week to sell more cars to his own employees because he knew people would buy a car to get to work, to not to get to work faster, but to have a weekend. Uh, that was a big step for the evolution of business. So now if we fast forward to the pandemic, we see that that industrialist model of saying, here's the one size that fits all, uh, that's completely died. We, we've seen that those rules are thrown out, that what we thought was this solid institution, the 40-hour work week or the seven-day week, are actually just made up by other power brokers from previous time that we've inherited. So similar to that idea of, are we going to react to what we've been given or are we going to be intentional moving forward? I believe that as the post-pandemic generation, we have a lot of creativity that we need moving forward. Uh, we're going to have challenges over the next 50 years that we can't even anticipate. And so to your question, we are moving away and doing those experiments where we're saying, how do we apply this in different ways within our businesses to try different things, to be innovative, and to do it within knowing ourselves internally? So the entire flow of the book starts with first knowing yourself internally, then moving into slowing down, then you absolutely move into killing it when you're at the end of all that. You know, All right, you're, 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 yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah. no, just, yeah, the idea that uh, it's all made up. I mean, reality as we know it is made up. You know, there is no objective reality. So I love the way that you're positioning this from the standpoint of, you know, I have agency in my life. And most people don't act as if they have agency in their life to have the life that they want to have. You know, one, you know, David mentioned my mastermind program, you know, the whole th th premise of that, uh, 
year-long mastermind program is design a year that designs you in return. Yeah, there's this ontological reciprocity. Yeah, design a year that designs me in return. Design a work style that designs me in return. Design a lifestyle that designs me in return. I, I start to yeah grow into that, and and I've got agency at that point, which is where the lack of agency or the experience of no agency is where stress comes from. It's being done to me instead of I'm doing it for me. So, uh, and there's a, there's a question embedded in there somewhere and I'm, and I lost with the question. Oh no, I, I've got some reaction to it even without a question. No, I, I mean, what's, what's great is you're tapping into what the, the neuroscience is showing us as well. Yeah. Uh, and, and when we feel safe, when we feel secure, we can do better work. Uh, but we don't want to stay there. We also need to push ourselves into uncomfortable situations. Uh, even that idea of, of planning out where you want to be, uh, a lot of people have started reading this book and saying, oh my gosh, this applies to me personally, not even in my business. How do I apply this at home to set different boundaries with my family? Yeah. And it's interesting how the way that I parent uh, with my daughters, one thing I ask myself is when they leave childhood, when they go into adulthood, what are the maybe three things that I want them to take with them? Because they're not going to remember the 17 things I think they need into adulthood. And, and so first and foremost, they're two girls. I want them to understand consent. I want them to understand that they own their bodies. I want them to understand those things. And so I have to work backward to say, what does that do to inform my daily behavior in yep. thinking about those boundaries? Well, if I say, would you like, this actually just happened half an hour ago. I said to my seven-year-old, would you like a hug? It's the morning. Parents give their kids hugs. She says, no, I don't want to hug. She owns her body and I need to respect that. In the same way, when, when they're 18 or whenever they go off into adulthood, I know they'll be more successful if they can just carry on conversations with other adults or with other people, people that can just talk to people typically do better in the world. So that means how I inform them isn't going to be that they're going to have 50 sports that they're in, that they're not going to be stressed out and maxed out as children. They're going to have relationships with a lot of different types of people that they can have conversations. So if we apply this to our businesses to just say exactly what you were saying, where are we headed this year? Where are we headed in the next six months? Don't do five-year plans where, you know, you have no idea who you're going to be in five years. Look at the next six months to 12 months and then just work backward as to what your actions are going to be right now as a result of that end goal. You know, there's two things, Joe, that I'm thinking of. One, you know, your podcast, the practice of the practice, practice, and I call it the habit machine. I said I have to take myself a step removed from creating a habit. I need to know what creates habits. Then I can determine what I want and put it through the habit machine. Um, I have one uh, philosophy that may or may not be applicable psychologically, which is, you know, one of your expertise in psychological re uh, research that you've done but I believe uh, energetically and genetically to be true. And although a four day work week will allow you to recover and be more productive, accessible and gracious with the man-made construct of time under the guise of practice uh, of the practice, I believe, you know, vacationing every day, having activity that you don't get paid for every day and activity that you do get paid for every day. It may be a minimum of 10 minutes on, uh, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, or maybe a minimum of 10 minutes on every day. Uh, but the consistency of the conscious, subconscious, and unconscious continuum of how our body, minds, and souls integrate and collaborate with one another, uh, I think is essential to getting, if it's in your value system, the most productivity out of a day, the most accessibility out of the day, accessing others and accessing what you want, and being accessible to others, and more importantly, be simply gracious. Like you said, finding the light, the love, and the lessons in everything, being able to get to do everything, not have to do. 
from your psychological research, am I off base? Am I, you know, is, is this just a, a theory or does <laughs> consistent practice of the practice make a difference? In other words, you're better off seven days a week uh, having an activity I get paid for than just four days a week. Yeah. So I think as with anything in life, there are healthy versions of what you just said and unhealthy versions. And I think most people will lean towards the unhealthy and that's that they're going to overwork. They're going to be with their kids and thinking about their business. They're going to say, David said, I need to work every day. And so instead of doing I don't care, they got to work, I got to say, you have activity to get paid for. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Activity to get paid for. So, you know, this I would want to say, right here. This, this is activity <laughs> we get paid for. Yeah. And, and so I think that um, as, as long as we don't move into that unhealth, uh, where we have some red flags for ourselves, we have some firm boundaries we set where we say, if, if my kid has a soccer game, I'm going to show up for it. Or maybe you, you talk to your spouse and maybe half of them you want to get to that you're intentional around how you're doing it. That's, that's where most people don't spend their time. Uh, I would say, how do you do that in a healthy way? I would say if you're in that flow, doing experiments to challenge your assumptions is one of the leading things that we see moving forward. So if you're saying, okay, I'm going to do something that produces money every single day. If you took a weekend where you didn't do that, just to notice the emotions that come up. Is it bringing up things like I'm, I don't have value. So, okay. That's pointing to maybe there's some ego that's wrapped up in, in this work that, or, or this activity we get paid for. Uh, there's ego in there that is inappropriate. We want to do some experiments to just challenge those assumptions. And so I would say for even people that feel like they're doing a healthy job in regards to working on their lives, being productive, um, doing some activity they get paid for each day, uh, challenge that. Do a three-day weekend once a month for a few months. Notice what comes up. Do you feel like you're a slacker? Okay, that's worth noticing. That's worth understanding that you are more than the work that you do. Um, and, and so I would just say doing some some curated experiences, uh, that would be the best way to challenge whether or not that assumption is accurate or not. Yeah, that, that yeah. of noticing what you're noticing. No, yeah, because energy will follow attention. And yeah, and, and a lot of my attention is subliminal. I mean, it, it's out of, out of sight, out of mind. So I'm not really paying attention to where my energy is going. So beginning to notice what I notice, notice when I get hooked, notice when I get grabbed, notice when I get distracted, notice when, I mean, all of that stuff. You also, yeah, I, I love the, you know, the, you know, the, the title of your podcast, the practice of the practice. Yeah. I grew up yeah, with, with uh, parenting and with sports coaches. Practice makes perfect. Just get out there, practice the fundamentals, practice, practice, practice. Now there may be some truth in that, but I've really come to realize practice makes habits. And the, you know, and so you couple that with noticing what you're noticing. When when I'm practicing, it goes out of mind, and now I've got a, a neural link, <laughs> a neurological link in my brain. Basically, I've got a rut in my brain that I haven't examined, and I've developed a habit that isn't serving me any longer. So I love I love your admonition about you know just break the pattern, break the pattern, and notice what you notice. And then so Joe, I apologize. I have to cut you off because I got Mike Marr in, in the in the green room here. We apologize. We I gotta have you know maybe we could do a podcast web too. Have you come back? I know yeah, there's absolutely. so many things. Uh, what we pay attention to and give attention to creates those coincidences. My mentor Blaine has taught me, and we can stay here for two two hours. Sorry, Blaine, I didn't mean to cut you off at no, all. I lost track of time. I love this conversation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, this well, is wonderful. You can have the, the greatest the, the greatest compliment from us is we forget about the next guest. Sorry, Michael Mara. <laughs> <Way to get. laughs> so uh, we'll have we'll we'll have you back. Uh, everybody, go out. Uh, I I'm a habit machine guy, and any 
different explanation and nuances. I love the fact of challenging uh, whatever activities and priorities that you give to your non-negotiables, especially, uh, is a takeaway for me that I, I really enjoyed. Joe Sanok, uh, unbelievable book. Thursday is the new Friday. Uh, work fewer hours, make more money, spend time doing what you want, or in other words, make money, help people have fun. Come join us again. We'll finish this conversation. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Thanks Joe. So much. Awesome. Thanks, Joe. Very good. Oh my God, this show needs to be longer, but who has the time, right? We're, we're trying to learn from Joe. Hey, we'll I'm trying to make my Thursday a Friday and I, I only have 15 minutes. need in the next 15 minutes to enter this guest. <laughs> well, I got to get over. So uh, this next guest is a friend of mine as well. Uh, Michael Mara, CEO and founder of Entree. I brought Michael Mamola in too because he heard Michael Mara was on. He didn't know Joe was going to be so special, but he he uh, said, Dave, yes. you got to let, let me cannibalize you and Blaine's time and, and have With them Mike. on here. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I've been there since almost the beginning of, of Entree. I, I was at the Entree of the Entree when we were meeting with like one or two people sometimes uh, talk about the Entree of the Entree. I love, you know, you to me represent the, the typical entrepreneur uh, with balancing patience and persistence, Michael. Uh, and because you're one of the most persistent people I know, which is why you're having the success that you are. Uh, but way back in January 2019, uh, I think you created Entree to help other people. And it was a selfless venture to, to help with some challenges that you may have been having. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, you know, for the help of other people like you that sit there, you know, trying to start something, a good idea, you know, wh what has evolved for you and uh, the Entree community? Yeah, well, uh, thanks so much, Dave, for having me on. And Mike, it's good to see you again. Uh, it's been it's been a while. I can't wait to uh, get back to the uh, the old days in New York uh, at the events and everything. Blaine, great to great to connect with you, and looking um, forward to learning learning from you as well. And um, yeah, I mean, I I started this like you said. It was it was really something that I wanted to do, really just for myself and. At the beginning, I was really obsessed with meeting other entrepreneurs and like-minded people because I had no idea what I was doing trying to start a business, being a former civil engineer, getting into tech and, and all of this stuff. And what I realized was there's so many other people that felt the same exact way that I did. And uh, as you look deeper into the numbers and where the economy is going, where the future of work is heading, how many people are getting into entrepreneurship and not just tech, but even online businesses, content creation, being a freelancer. These are all things that you know, really are growing at a massive rate right now, but they don't have a, a community and a platform to really connect with. So. Um, yeah, the, the persistence thing is is um, one of the biggest lessons. I, I learned a lot of it from, from you as well, and especially the consistency, uh, the routine of it. And, you know, when you have this vision, right, this mission and, and something that you're, you're passionate about and that is aligned with your purpose, um, you know, there's so many ups and downs with entrepreneurship. And that's why if you don't have something that you really, really want to see, you know, actually happen, there's a really good chance you're going to give up along the way. 
Um, and there's a really good chance that you won't be persistent and consistent if you don't really enjoy what you're doing and you're not really motivated to actually make it happen because I had no idea how to build an app. And now we have, you know, the fastest growing app for entrepreneurs and creators in the world. And, you know, we're just getting started, which is the craziest thing because I've been doing this for years, but it feels like we're really just getting going, which is like the craziest part of all of it. Michael, I'm Oh, go ahead, Mike. Go. I'm sorry, Blaine. I, did I jump on you? I was excited to nope. speak to you, Michael. You're good. You're good. <laughs> Michael, I, I uh, nice to see you again. Too. I should have slept in. You too. Right. We got this, Dave. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Mike, I, I admire you, number one. You, you know that just uh, based on the friendship we've established and, and from me being at the events in New York, which are clearly uh, some of the best that I've been to. Stellar events. Always, always amazing job. So congrats on that. And, you know, I'd like to, to go back for the benefit of our audience to, I know that you, you created Entree in January of 2019, but I'd like to go back if we could to maybe December or November or October of 2018 when you did that real soul searching before you left a, a, a prestigious job, an opportunity was a career as a civil engineer. What was that like? What, how, how did you make that decision? Because it's an important decision. It's a very powerful one. But it's one that when people have that calling, they either have to take that chance or not. And unfortunately, some people don't. Take us through that if you could. Sounds like your journey. For sure. <laughs> yeah. it, it was, I did it very poorly. I, 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 what I did, I do not recommend for most people. Um, and, it, and it happened well before that, too. Um, I actually left my job in 2015. I didn't even, I, I haven't had a paycheck, right, since, since six years. Uh, which is just crazy. You need me to take you out to dinner, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't. I don't even define like me getting paid right Mike now. Runs the restaurant. It's like I'm. You know, I, I'm part of the reason that I'm getting paid myself, right? Um, but you know, a lot of it was. You know, I just felt like I was going through the motions of the everyday, and I was like, I need to get out of this, and. I, I, my first interest was real estate and I just literally left my job. I hadn't, I, I just made the decision. I, I had no external money coming in. I knew I had a, you know, a little bit in savings. I had some in uh, stock investments and something like that. And I was like, I'm just going to figure this out. I, I don't want to keep doing this. Um, and I think a lot of, what led me to really pushing through and persevering and being persistent was I'm like, I made the decision that I'm never going back to a corporate world and it was hard and, you know, it was difficult. And I, I would recommend most people probably figure out a way to have some income coming in before they quit. But sometimes it's what you need to really get going. And it's, it's sometimes what you need to really dive in and so it's a very clear decision. Like I'm quitting. I know I'm, I'm smart. I know that I will figure this out. And I know that no matter what, like worst case scenario, I can get a job and I can figure out how to make money to support myself. That's right. Burn the ships. Yeah. And you know, I was young enough where I didn't have, you know, uh, a wife and kids and, you know, a, a mortgage and that. So it allowed me to take 
uh, a higher risk. Not everyone has the ability to do that. So that was really one of the, the main driving factors for it as well. I knew that I had the flexibility to take a higher risk when I did so. But it was it was a decision that, you know, I made very, you know, it was something I made the decision and then I didn't look back. And I just kept trying to figure out. It took me years to really figure it out, figure out myself and what I really wanted to do. Um, and then, you know, like I said, it was really three, four years later when I got into what I really wanted to do and what I really felt aligned with. And now I don't want to do anything else. You know, uh, I, I work with entrepreneurs. Dave does too. Mike does too. Yeah. I hear, and I'm, I'm going to touch on this thing because I love what you're positioning here, Michael, in this sense. <clears throat> yeah. I don't have the mortgage. I don't have the wife. I don't have the kids. I don't have the, the spouse. You know, I mean, yeah, whatever yeah, things come into play here. And what I hear a lot is uh, I, I've got a dream. I'd like to be able to do this, but I've got responsibilities. And in my experience, a lot of people will avoid taking responsibility for producing and creating the life they want by saying, I have responsibilities. And I, I, yeah, while that may be experientially true, it's a bullshit way to live life. It absolutely is a crazy way to live life. Yeah, I end up in a rut, and a rut is nothing more than a coffin with the ends kicked out. And a lot of people, most people, live their lives in a rut. Yeah, I get up in the morning, do the same thing every day, and I'm not inspired. I'm not alive. I, I just kind of yeah, go through the motions. And hello. Getting into that. I felt yeah. myself getting into that. And I felt myself losing my creative like being within me. And I had to make make a change. And if I didn't do it in that way. It, you know, things happen, things come up, and then it's 10 years later and you're still in the same yeah. job. You know, yeah. Michael, you bring up a really great point because things have shifted uh, because of the pandemic. And the thing that's shifted that I think it's interesting because you started out the interview by saying, I don't recommend this to others, um, yet it's necessary for some people in order to put their back against the wall in order to be uh, motivated and inspired. Uh, meaning continually to be motivated or to clear the interference uh, between you and, you know, that unbelievable source of power. But things have changed. And, you know, I'm on a, a platform today saying before you jump ship like Michael, before you jump into entrepreneurship where you get your own employees and your own overhead and uh, it's a seven day a week activity that you don't get paid for, uh, <laughs> especially at first. There's a whole new entrepreneurship opportunity that never existed. There's big companies that allow you to work when you want to work, where you want to work, when you want to work, where you want to work are the two most uh, desirous things of entrepreneurs. They also, by the way, give you stability of a salary. On top of it, sometimes worth more than your salary today because of living in America, benefits, commissions, bonuses, and even more importantly, if you like the lottery ticket side of being an entrepreneur, which I know a lot of people love to play craps with their life, there's some great equity opportunities that are lottery tickets, but they're much better odds than playing craps or playing the, uh, you know, the mega. So 
you know, for you looking at things and how you inspire entrepreneurs today, how important is it for them to give a look at entrepreneurship before they jump ship? Yeah, I, I think uh, what you just described is going to make up a huge part of the future of work going forward. I think almost every major corporation, <clears throat> most of them already have it, but it's it's only going to continue to expand because their core business is going to be moving. They're going to be automating a lot of things. They're going to use AI and robot robotics and all these different things to help automate their core business model. And what they need help with is innovation and creativity, content, marketing, branding, all of these things that they're going to need help with. And all the creatives, all the innovators, are within these companies are going to start getting paid not to just do their daily job, but to create new things, whether that is content or whether that's the next technology uh, for the company um, or something that's aligned in a similar industry as the company. But I think it's going to be a huge part of the future of work. Plus, I think it's going to help more people take that first step into entrepreneurship because we all know entrepreneurship, it's scary, right? That's the biggest thing with taking the step. It's fear and it's doubt that holds entrepreneurs back. More than anything in the world, it's doubt and fear. We all have those you know, thoughts that come into our mind. I have them myself. Everyone has them. But it's overcoming those is what makes a great entrepreneur and you know, continuing to overcome the doubts and the fears uh, you know, on an ongoing basis. But I think what holds most people back at the beginning is that so having these programs within other companies allows them to have the security and kind of get the first taste of entrepreneurship to you know start it within the company, but then eventually maybe even go out on their own um, and, and do it themselves. So smart. Use it as a stepping stone as well. And uh, you are a, a great entrepreneur and you're inspiring and empowering others to be great entrepreneurs as well. And you're a great mentee. I know the humility of asking for help uh, and continue to do that as well. It's something that I did not have uh, when I was your age and I would have expanded and accelerated uh, my own objectives if I just would have had what I have today, which is ignorant humility, knowing that I don't know what I don't know and asking uh, the people like Blaine for directions on how to get to where I want to be. People who sit in the situation like Blaine that I want to sit into. Uh, so continue the journey, my friend. Keep the great work up. Come back and join me, everybody. I know you're going to have Blaine involved in a lot of more events for us, too. I wanted to make sure that introduction was made. He is uh, a resource beyond belief for the future work for Entree. Uh, and he started traveling again. So maybe we could all do something in New York uh, move forward. So thank you, yeah. Michael Mara, my friend from Entree. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Great Michael. Reach, Michael. Great seeing you again, Mike. And uh, we're connecting more, Blaine. I'm, I'm really excited. We got a chance to, to talk today. Absolutely. Well, we Appreciate will be connected. So much. See you, everybody. See you later, alligator. Yeah. <laughs> After a while, alligator. <laughs> Yeah, you fit in. You, they they need you there, Andre Blaine. Trust me. Uh, what is it with these cool names the last couple of days? Oh yeah, this one's this is a killer <laughs> name right here. The CEO of franchise one two three dot com. Are the coolest names out there? Not if, if you're in the baseball business though, because they had a rough rough night thanks to Chris Taylor in the bottom of the ninth with two outs. Matt's holding up his Dodger jersey. Oh, <laughs> it makes me sick. Uh, Jimmy St. Louis. 
my favorite cardinal himself. <laughs> Welcome to Office Hours. How are you? Oh, Maddie, are we all right? I'm great. We can't hear Jimmy. Oh, we'll put you back in. Can you, Jimmy St. Louis? He's having about as much difficulty as the Cardinals did in the bottom of the ninth last night, huh, Matt? <laughs> He's a chicken head. All right. Well, Blaine, while we're while we're going for Jimmy, yeah. um, he has a question to ask, and really like the franchise accelerator. Uh, let's start with the takeaways for the day. Um, you know, with, with what we have, and and uh, curious what your takeaway from Michael um, and um, Joe are. Um, we basically the simple thing is reality gets invented. It isn't handed to us. Um, I mean, that's essentially where everything landed today. I mean, whether I'm an entrepreneur, you know, setting up my own business and my own lifestyle or my own lifestyle, I have agency in life. I have agency and I need to be able to take that bull by the horns, you know, literally and figuratively and, and uh, climb on the back of it and run with it. Uh, you know, life is way too short to run by somebody else's rules. And especially when those rules are just made up. Uh, right. And, um, I, I, I really like the way that Mike uh, actually positioned this. Uh, the rules are made up by power brokers. Yeah. Yeah. Whoever the yeah. power brokers might be. Henry Ford wanting to have a, yeah, a, 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 a five day work week so he can get, yeah, because he wanted his uh, to have, have, have a weekend. Yeah. So th that kind of stuff. Pay attention to who the power brokers are that made up the rules that you're living by, whether it was your mom and dad or whether it's your boss. We the, the rules are all just made up to serve the power brokers. I'm a power broker in my own life. Yeah, that's what I need to pay attention to. Uh, you know, Blaine, I uh, I agree. And mine is very similar to yours. And, you know, it's really find your value and then share it with the world. And so many people don't because, you know, they whatever the value is, either through some perceived constraint uh, by an employer or a boss that, you know, this is what I do. And I come in and I earn X, do X dollars per hour. And that's, quote unquote, my value. Never willing to take those chances that that Michael took or tap into some of the, the techniques that Joe, I can't wait to read his book, I'm sure reveals. And it's like Michael said, you know, if you if you walk that tightrope wire without a safety net, you're a little more likely to walk it just a little more carefully. <laughs> Right. And and so that's what happens. But once you tap into that and really start to discover your true potential, your true infinite value, uh, you can't help but share it with the rest of the world. Absolutely. No doubt. And my, mine is obviously relative to what you two are discussing. And it's test, 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 mm. because all the things of being made up, because power breakers make the rules, because you are your own power agent within the context of the rules that have been created that you may or may not have created a social contract with test, you know, with all the digital marketing, uh, you know, rules and analytics and, you know, the power brokers that exist, as you see from Facebook to create realities and, and, and ideas test. I, you know, I get caught into the, the ignorant arrogance of, you know, I am portraying as if I don't know what I don't know. Uh, but I'm setting forth, you know, my values to others by saying, you know, you should vacation every day. Test it for yourself. It's like the, the master Shaw tracing my calligraphies. You know, no risk to anybody else is my first rule. You know, what what's the risk to me and others? 
no risk to trace calligraphies, but does it work for me? And what happens if I stop, take a weekend and don't do what I'm doing just to get it, you know, that pandemic reflection time of saying, whoa, I thought I really knew what I knew. Now that I took some time off from traveling, I've been, I know I, it, when we were together, Blaine, we both decided that uh, it had been almost 30 years that we each had been traveling 200 days a year for over 30 straight years. Uh, you know, my one of my mentors always says, you always have your butt in the air. And I, and I didn't really know what he meant by that, uh, but it was the flights that I was taking and it yeah. felt good to put my butt in a seat that wasn't flying. Uh, so, uh, you know, test, test, test uh, for yourself. Find out, you know, what it is. Jimmy's back. I think he has a question for us. So let's see if we get the technology working real quickly. Uh, once again, we'll give him that introduction. One of the coolest names here. Uh, very poignant in the baseball realm today. Uh, Jimmy St. Louis. Not Jimmy Dodgers, by the way, Matt. Jimmy St. Louis. He's CEO of Franchise123.com. I've known this company. Uh, they are an accelerator in a very uh, disruptive way. Welcome to Office Hours, Jimmy. Thank you. And, you know, a uh, total coincidence, by the way, I'm actually in St. Louis right now. I'm from Canada. <laughs> uh, we were out last night, and, um, you know, the city is a little gloom when the Cardinals don't win. So, <laughs> yeah, not- a no, I wish I wish Matt was gloomy this morning. That would have made me feel good. <laughs> Poor Matt. Poor Matt. Poor Matt. Yeah, he got he up. Likes, he likes all the matter. wrong teams. Matt likes all the wrong teams. Anyway, Jimmy, give us a little bit of background uh, on franchise one, two, three, and I know you have a question for these genius friends of mine. Yeah, great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the time. Uh, so, franchise three is essentially pillow. So we've created online marketplace and uh, identify, search and decide size fit for you. The multi-sided, they have a size season aside for doors. They can connect online and you can go on and buy a franchise now. So we're trying to bring the, uh, the older marketplace of the, the broker network and the place to allow people to buy franchises. And ultimately, create that single source people can see more than just the franchises they may know and uh, help them gain access to some of those more emerging. So, and do I, I know breaking up a little bit as the yeah. Zillow of franchises and creating that marketplace? Uh, what question do you have for Blaine, uh, Michael, and I? Sure, thanks. Uh, so, just you know, considering some of the inadequacies build and just in business in general. What are some of the other tools that uh, out there that business leverage uh, to just further their effect? And uh, to- you, you know, I think you broke up a little bit, Jimmy. The but I, that, yeah. yeah, I think I, I think I got your question. Um, one of the biggest things I think that people overlook often is candor. And we talked to someone recently with regard to the value of reviews, stepping into the reviews that your customers provide you from, you know, around the country or around the world and digging deep to learn more about yourself and more about your company and your employees and how you're responding and being able to ultimately grow and scale based on some of that when you start to realize more what your customer base is looking for based on a lot of those reviews. Great. Great. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Um, you know, so we're, we're just seeing some um, 
really just kind of the field is we're trying to move it towards this gain access, this field of gain access of more information. And I think, you know, the reason we say the Zillow of France is before Zillow, people had to just call gain information market looked like. And now they're able to go online and, and really in a fair deal market. We are, we're trying to create opportunity for people. Um, so, um, you know, I think like to understand if you guys have a feel for the franchising world in general and the markets that you see uh, that may be emerging. Yeah. Yeah, I, I got to blend. So, um, yeah. you know, the, the markets that are emerging are ones in which we can take advantage of the leases that, that I see. I think I think the the opportunity is a scalable business uh, to take advantage of the real estate situation because, as anyone knows from Ray Kroc on, that real estate's the key to franchising, um, and the margins are made in your lease. Uh, or ownership in real estate, as McDonald's is one of the biggest real estate holders in in the world, uh, as well as producer of chicken and meat as well. Uh, but I still think the opportunity is in the efficiency of the real estate, which would then tr uh, lend franchise one, two, three, once again, to be very essential because uh, where this marketplace is seen to be very valuable is in the real estate market. Thus, you use Zillow as an example um, but I think because of the very uh, quick changing real estate, retail real estate space uh, opportunities where people are giving six, 12 months uh, trying to, you know, create new opportunity as we come out of the pandemic, uh, that retail space, which is aligned specifically to franchises, is, I think, the key component to what you're doing and uh, I know from different franchises that I consult with, like Everbull, uh, that was on the you know border or bridge of of destruction and bankruptcy at the beginning of the pandemic, trying to find you know QVC ways of delivering their food uh, to selling 190 uh, franchises uh, during uh, the pandemic, uh, and you know getting unbelievable investment and support from guys like Drew Brees, uh, you know. It has been incredible. It's all real estate based. It's all putting together and articulating the quantitative value of very aggressive uh, opportunities in the retail leasing space. Uh, purchasing, not so much, but leasing, absolutely. Great. Excellent. Thank you, guys. I, I really enjoy your show. And, uh, Thank you. Know, you. I'm joining us again, you. Jimmy. And apologies yeah. uh, for dropping in. The only, the only winner in St. Louis, Jimmy St. Louis. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. All Thank right. You. Very good. Well, we already went through, uh, once again, falling into all three of ours, it, uh, kind of post reaffirms our takeaways for the day. Blaine, thank you so much for waking up early. Uh, look forward to seeing you on the road as well. Somewhere maybe in the UK for Unstoppable. I was thinking about coming to London. That's, and that's coming up. That's coming up. And, and we've got uh, something dropping on uh, not this Friday, but next Friday. Office hours with the three of us, Cameron Diaz, Saad Guru, Tillman Fertitta, Rob Deerdeck, Ja Rule, the list goes on, Clinton Sparks, Apollo Ono, Marshall Falk. There's 72 of the billionaires, millionaires, entrepreneurs, celebrities, athletes, and entertainers with Blaine Michael and I uh, here on the TV version, Bloomberg Television, and Amazon Prime Video 
of office hours. Uh, thanks, everyone. Everybody, remember, my mentor's over there, whatever side on the screen he is, learn.blainebartlett.com slash LMM. People ask me, how the heck do you know so much? Well, I ask for help from people like my mentor, Blaine Bartlett. Thank you, Blaine. Uh, it's always a pleasure. Uh, this guy, it's easy Mike. to point the right way when he's next to you. Mike <laughs> Mamola joining me and Dave Meltzer. Remember, uh, October 15th, Friday, the launch of Office Hours, the TV version with incredible guests. And most importantly, it's Thankful Thursday. So I want to again express my gratitude for all of you. And remember, most importantly, be kind to your future self and do good deeds. We'll see you tomorrow with Mike. Bye-bye.